How many is good? To, how many's glad to be in the house of the Lord tonight? Amen. I am glad to be in the house of the Lord tonight. I am thankful to be here. I am thankful for everything that the Lord, the Lord has done. Uh, as Pastor said just a few minutes ago, you know, I, I was feeling pretty good this morning, and I thought that I would. Uh, I thought that I would go and get some, uh, go and get some breakfast, and uh, and uh, made a mess of things while I was there. And uh, but uh, the Lord, I'm just, I'm, I, you know, I'm, I'm just thankful for the Lord's protection. I'm just thankful that the Lord is, is still. You know, the Bible says that in Romans chapter eight, He says that He will cause all things to work together for good to those who love God, and to those who are called according to His purpose. And I've been thinking of that scripture all day today because, because Paul didn't write and he said he didn't say some things, but he said all things. That means the things that we understand and the things that we don't understand, the things that we the things that we that we are thankful for, and even sometimes the things that we are are not necessarily thankful for. But I'm thankful that it's in everything. That I can give thanks and I can give praise to God, and I, and and I'm thankful, and I and I'm just thankful for everything that the Lord is doing. Amen. Yes, amen. amen. Well, who's ready to get into the Word tonight? I'm ready to get into the Word tonight. We're going to go ahead and and uh, my plan is 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 in, uh, is not to uh, not to hold you too long tonight. Uh, if if I can hold it within about thirty minutes, that's what I'm going to try to do tonight. And so, if you'll pray for me, then uh, we'll, we'll we'll see we'll see how we do we'll see how we do on that. But we're going to continue we're going to continue right on in our in our study in the book of John. Uh, my my goal is to not to miss a uh, uh, is really not to uh, to to miss a, a a second in the study because it is it is such uh, it is such rich um, things, and I will tell you already. I am already. I'm. I'm through. Uh, I'm through the. I've already studied out the first four chapters. I've had those planned out, mapped out, and kind of where we're wanting to go, and everything on that. And we've got. I'm going to tell you. You do not want on Wednesday night. You do not want to miss what we're going to get into, um, especially when we get into chapter two, and the uh, and the old so important Jesus turning water into wine. And what did it mean? The fact that Jesus turned water into wine, and there's a whole debate over that. I can't wait. I can't wait to get into that. I can't wait to get into chapter four to be able to talk about what true worship is. Uh, to be able to talk about Jesus' uh, conversation with a woman at the well, and they get into a theological debate over worship and where, how we should worship, and why we should worship, what we should worship. But uh, I tell you, you don't want to miss. You don't want to miss any. Uh, you don't want to miss any of that. And if you if you miss, if, if for whatever reason, if you're not here for any of that, uh, if you miss something, uh, I am uh, I am putting them all on my uh, all of these teachings and everything on uh, on the podcast. And so as soon as this is over with tonight. I'll go home and take care of all that and get that uploaded. So if you want to go back and listen to it, uh, you can. And so we're in the book of John, the Gospel of John, chapter number 1 tonight. And we're going to pick right up where we left off at verse, uh, at verse number 14. That's where, we're going to, that's where we're going to start off. And honestly, I'm just going to be honest with you, that may be all that we get through tonight. 
I'm, I'm, I'm being transparent in the fact that I don't want to rush through this. Because there's so much, there's so much to be able uh, to, 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 to take in when we think about this. And so we're going to follow kind of the flow of the Spirit through these teachings. Uh, but I don't, want to rush any, I don't want to rush anything, but at the same time I don't want to drag anything out. But there's just so much that I believe that we need to, that we, uh, that we need to look at. So before we get started, let's have a word of prayer. And then uh, we'll get right into it. Heavenly Father, we thank you tonight, Lord God. I thank you, Lord, for the opportunity, Lord, to be able to, to look at your word tonight, Lord. I thank you that you have given me this opportunity, Lord. God, I thank you, Lord God, that you have given me the strength to walk up here tonight. And Father, I would ask you, Lord God, that you would just anoint these lips of clay, that you would anoint our ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to us. And Father, we'll never cease to give you the praise and the glory and the honor for it all. In Jesus' name we pray. And the church says amen. amen. And amen. John chapter 1 and verse 14. A very familiar portion of Scripture. As John is writing here, we have talked already about in, uh, in, the, last two, in the last two lessons that we have done. How, that, uh, how that, uh, that in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God. The Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. We talked about how that nothing that he created everything that Jesus was in the beginning is that if you believe that Jesus Christ is the word of God, you have to believe that he, that he is. And last and two weeks ago, we talked about the fact that, that, that he was the true light and that the darkness did not comprehend the light. And we, we talked about how that the word comprehend there actually means that the darkness cannot comprehend what Jesus is wanting to do. That wherever the Spirit of God is, wherever the light of God goes, as we as the church, we, under, we understand that the darkness cannot conquer the light. It doesn't matter what we face. It doesn't matter what we are going through. It doesn't matter what the situations in our life is. Hell can be coming against us from all sides. But if we have the light of God only inside of us, darkness cannot conquer the light. Amen? And so... We, we talked all about that and time would fail me to really go back in and to, and to summarize all of that here tonight. But in chapter, in chapter 1 and verse 14, John continues to write, and this is what he says. And he says, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. In this one statement, in this one verse, John makes a very just bold statement in the fact that this one that we've been talking about for the last several weeks, that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God, and all things were made by Him, and there wasn't anything that was that that that, that wasn't made that was made by Him. And John says. Now, this God that I'm introducing to you, this God that I am talking to you about, what you need to know is that this God wasn't a God that was afar off. This God wasn't a God that, that is somewhere out in the distance that cannot be reached, that cannot be touched. 
as the writer of Hebrews says, with the, with the feeling of our infirmities. He says, as a matter of fact, this word, this God that I'm talking to you about, actually wrapped himself in human flesh and he came down to walk among us. The greatest thing that we could ever realize, the greatest thing that we could offer this world right now is the simple fact that our God that we serve, the God that we serve, Jehovah God that we serve, is not a God that is a far off somewhere, but it is a God that comes nigh to us whenever that we call on Him. Jeremiah said that if we we seek Him, we will find Him when we search Him with all of His heart. Isaiah said, Isaiah said that that his ear is not shortened that it cannot hear. Neither is his arm heavy that it cannot reach. We have to understand that this God is with us, in us, for us. And he is here. And when he tells these people that are reading this. That he has come down to walk among us. Truth became a man. Truth wrapped himself up in human flesh. Truth wrapped himself up in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger. And we've got to understand that this man begins to walk among us. You see, to understand the fact that God became flesh, there were those that that thought to make him flesh meant to bring him down low to the Jews to 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 make him to uh, the thought of God was too high that some that some of the Jews thought that God could not be could not be grasped that's the reason why in the old testament they wouldn't speak the name of God we know we we we, we call him we we call him lord in the old testament but those words are actually added in there because the word they 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 thought that the concept of God was too high and lofty that even to dress him by his name was inconceivable was inconceivable but John wants everybody to know that even from the beginning of time God came down to walk among us God came down to fellowship among us and I want season, I want us to understand that right now, even as I speak, even as I am tired and weak in my body right now, I'm thankful to know tonight that God is with me, that God walks with me, as our sister sang this this evening, that He walks with me, and He talks with me, and He tells me that I'm His own, and He holds my hand through the valleys, and He walks with me on the mountaintops, and I want to tell you here tonight that it is not a God from the very beginning. Search all through the scriptures and you'll see a God that wants to come down and walk with His people. It is that God that came down to where Adam was at and said, Adam, where are you? He came down and He talked to Abraham. He talked to Isaac. He talked to Jacob. You see, God has come close to us through Christ Jesus. And here's the thing. You don't have to struggle to find me. That's the interesting thing. I, I'm just going to be honest with you. Now, I get weary of people that say, you know, I'm trying to find God. You don't have to go looking for Him because He's there. Yes. David said, where shall I 
And where shall I flee from your presence? He said, if I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the eagle and fly to the the furthest place, He says, behold, thou art there. I want to tell you, I didn't find God. God was always there. He was always there. But He said, if you'll just call unto me, He said, I will answer you and show you great and mighty things that you do not know. My God, I feel my help right now in this house tonight. I want to tell you, we we do not have to struggle to find Him. He came to you. There's a song that says that He came looking for me. When I didn't know what else to do, He came looking for me. I didn't even know what I was looking for. I didn't even know what I needed. I didn't know that I was lost. I didn't know that I was undone. I didn't know that I was on my way to hell. But I am so thankful that He came down and He wrapped Himself in human flesh. And He said, I'm coming for Him. And I'm coming for her. And I want them to know that I love them with an everlasting love. Because for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth on Him should not perish but have everlasting life. And I believe we ought to give Him praise in this house tonight. See, Christ entered into a new dimension of existence through this gateway of human flesh. The Bible says that He came to dwell among us. The idea behind this phrase is literally He dwelt as in a tent among us. That word dwelt means that He came to tabernacle among us. And when you look at this, He came to live among His people. He came to tabernacle with us to set up tent. You see, when you come, when God came to tabernacle among His people, He didn't come to leave. My goodness. Now, I'm not preaching to anybody, anybody right now. I'm preaching to me right now. Because I want to tell you, when God came to set up tent, yeah. He didn't come to pack up and leave. Right. That's not the type of God I serve. That's not the type of God that I worship. I don't, I, I don't want to have to wake up in the morning and wonder whether or not if He's there or not. I don't want to always have to check over my shoulder one trying to figure out whether or not if God is there with me. Now I understand that there may be times that I may not feel His presence. And I understand all of that. But here's the thing. i got to know that I know that I know that I know that every day He is with me. And when He comes and that, and, 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 and that term that He tabernacles to dwell means consistency. It means stability. And I'm glad to tell you tonight that when I get up in the morning, even though I may not feel, up, feel like lifting up my hands and saying thank you Lord, I know that He's there, that He's with me because He promised that He'd never leave me, that He would never forsake me, but He would go with me all the way even unto the end. You see, He came to tabernacle among us. It means to stay. See, the tabernacle, when you look at the tabernacle in the Old Testament, when you look at what he was, he was, you see that symbol in the Old Testament in the wilderness. Because 
Jesus was the center of his people in that camp. I mean, think about this. And this is, this is not in my notes, but I just picture this in your mind. We were talking about this Sunday night while we were doing, while we were, while Pastor Tony was going over the, uh, his, his, his sermon and everything. And there was discussion about being in, about the children of Israel in the wilderness coming up out of the wilderness. But you know, the Bible says that there was a rock that followed them everywhere in the wilderness. Now think about that. It was the rock that Moses struck and water came out of. And where, yes, he did disobey God later on when God commanded him to speak to the rock. And instead, out of frustration, he smote the rock again. But the Bible says that that rock followed them around everywhere in the wilderness. But here was the thing. The Bible says that the rock was Jesus. Ah, uh, I feel too good right now. And what you've got to understand is... In this is that he was the center of everything. He was the center of their entire existence. Even though that it was all in types, in shadows. Even in the Old Testament, Christ came down to tabernacle among his people. The tabernacle was the dwelling place of God. It was the place of revelation. It was the place where sacrifices were made. It was the central place of Israel's worship. If God in the Old Testament came down to tabernacle among them, how much more by the Spirit of God is He with us here tonight? How much more is He with us in the sense that now He's not in one location and I have to go there to find Him, but He's in my house and in your house at the same time. And Sister Kate, He's in your house. And Sister Tanya, He's in your house. And I don't have to worry about that if he's at Brother Tony's house, whether or not if he's with me. But he is tabernacle among me. It is the Shekinah glory that comes down. It is the visible presence of God that intercedes, that, that, that invades the atmosphere. And even though at times we may not be able to see it, you need to understand He is here. And that's the reason why the writer John said, and we beheld His glory. Whew. I got five minutes to wrap this up. But He said... 
We beheld His glory. John said, I'm an eyewitness of His glory. I'm an eyewitness of this. The word beheld is stronger than just simply I saw or I looked at. It means that him and the other disciples carefully studied the glory that was made flesh. It's the verb beheld that is used here that John is using of seeing with the bodily eye. It's not used of vision necessarily. It is used in speaking of that glory that is seen literal. You see, John wasn't seeing visions here. He didn't he he wasn't he wasn't making things up in his mind. He said, I beheld and I have seen the real glory, tangible presence of God. As a matter of fact, he'll go on later and further on in the New Testament and he will talk about the things that we have handled. He said, I have handled the glory of God. And I want to tell you something, my goodness. I want to tell you, until you have handled the glory of God in your hands, height won't satisfy you. Visions and tongues and interpretations won't satisfy you. But until you have until you can taste of the goodness of God of yourself. Listen, I, I, I'm thankful for words of prophecy. I'm thankful for tongues and interpretation. I, those all have their place in, in, in the body of Christ. But there are times, there are times I need to handle something for myself. And that's what John said here. John said, I be him. I handled the word of God. I understood what it was about. It wasn't something that grandma told me about. It wasn't something that my mother told me about or my father or my granddaddy or the rest of the church people. It was something deep down on the inside of me that I experienced myself. And my goodness, if there's one thing that the church of the living God needs to understand is we need to have a divine experience of ourselves of the glory of God. He said, I beheld, beheld his glory. We need to get back to handling the glory of God. We're, we're, we're satisfied. My goodness. I'm trying to wrap this up so much in just this one verse. There, I'm afraid in Pentecostalism, you just have to excuse me. We're so full of hype. I, 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 can I? I'm just going to be transparent here. Give me, give me one minute to be. Give me one minute to be transparent. And I'm just going to be honest with you. Laying in the hospital bed, if I had one more person try to call me up and try to tell me how they wanted to rebuke something that they had no other idea what they were talking about, I was going to lose my mind. 
Because that wasn't, that wasn't the time or the place. And I'm just, I'm just going to be honest with you. I, I, I'm, just, I'm just honest with you. That wasn't the time or the place to start cursing things. And, but what helped me, what helped me was not somebody coming in and pleading the blood of Jesus. What helped me was to know that even though I didn't understand what was going on, and in my finite mind, if I tried to rationalize whether or not if it was a demonic attack, or if it was whatever the case may be, and those can all be conversations that I have at another time and another place, but at that moment, I had to know that the glory that I handled was present in that room. And it didn't matter. It did not matter if people, if, if, if hyper-spiritual people wanted to work something up. I didn't need something worked up. It wasn't a matter of faith. It was about a matter of just simply holding on. And when you have handled, when you have handled the glory, my goodness, when you have handled the glory, you don't need to have somebody work something up in you. Right. Mm. I'm trying to behave myself here. You don't have to have somebody work something up in you. When you have handled Jesus. the real thing, hype won't do it. And he said, I beheld his glory. And I beheld his glory and it was full of grace and truth. Give me three minutes and I will finish this up. You see, the glory of God wasn't simply an adrenaline rush. And it certainly wasn't a sideshow. I can't, I can't overstate that. The glory of God is not for our entertainment. It is not for us to feel a goosebump and say, whoo, didn't that feel good? I'm thankful for the feel goods. I'm thankful for all of that. But that's not what the glory of God is about. The glory of God is about two things. Grace and truth. And it's not a sideshow. And he says... In His glory, you're going to find two things. The writer here says, you will find grace and you will find truth. Charles Spurgeon said, Beloved, notice here that both of these qualities in our Lord are at the full. He is full of grace. That means unmerited favor, things that we do not deserve. What more, he says, what could be more so in the person of Jesus, the immeasurable Grace of God is treasured up. That means that when we beheld His glory in Him, in the fullness of Him, is grace. We hear so much about grace in modern pulpits today that we don't even know what grace means anymore. Mm -hmm. Because we think that grace is just a license to do 
whatever it is that we want to do because it's all covered. It's all covered by grace. But grace in Jesus is always also full of truth. In Jesus, the glory of Jesus is full of grace and truth. You cannot have one without the other. You cannot have truth without grace. And you cannot have grace without truth. It was said by one commentator, they said, These two ideas should hold our minds and direct our lives. When we behold His glory, it ought to direct everything about us. God is grace and truth. Not one without the other. Not the other part from the other. In His government, there can be no lowering of the simple and severe standard of truth. We cannot lower the truth in the midst of God's glory. It cannot happen. When we behold His glory, we understand what truth is. And that cannot be departed from it. So much is happening in our world right now that is trying to change the truth. Matter of fact, Scripture says that they would be turned from the truth unto lies, unto fables. But when you behold His glory, see that's the reason why, oh my goodness, I, I feel good. It's hard, to, it's, it's hard to close this out. But that's the reason why so many times people get uncomfortable in a spirit-filled service. Because in a true spirit-filled, spirit-led service, if you're not confronted with the truth. Now let me let me explain to you what I mean by that. I'm not talking I'm not talking about Necessarily, the preacher gets up here and pounds the pulpit and tells you you're going to hell and, and you're going to split hell wide open because you're saying That all has its place. I understand all of that. But if in the moving of the Spirit, you're not confronted with some things. And you're always leaving and never feel challenged in your life with God. I'm just going to be honest with you. If there are times that the Spirit of God doesn't make you mad, you need to check to see whether or not if what you've actually experienced was the glory of God. Because in a true Spirit-filled service that is Spirit-led, it'll always we are always confronted with the truth of who we are. That's the reason why David said David said it just as plain as, as can be when he said in Psalms, he said, My sin is ever before me. Now, I don't think that that necessarily means that every day he was out sinning. That's not what I'm saying. No, you're right. But what I'm saying is, is that every day he had to acknowledge what was in front of him, the weaknesses, the struggles, the, 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 in, the insecurities 
in, 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 his, in his life. That he had to deal with to know I'm either going to let in the glory of God let God's truth weed all of this out or I'll go by I'll go some other way and also not only can the truth not be lowered but there is also no departure from the per- from the purpose And the passion of grace. See, when you really stop to think about the grace of God, the thing that keeps me from hell right now is the grace of God. The reason why I'm here right now is because of the grace of God. The reason why any of you are here this this evening is because of the grace of God. And I am so thankful. I am so thankful. I, I, I'm just I'm just I'm just gonna be transparent. I, I thought today that I was seriously gonna have a nervous breakdown. And I don't, I, don't, I don't say that lightly. And I don't even say that to, to get a pat on the back and, you know, and, and, and everything like that. You know, i just be honest with you. An hour before I walked into this, and, and before I walked into this place tonight, I'm sitting at my kitchen table looking at my wife going, I don't know how I'm going to make it. I'm just being, I'm just going to be, I'm just being totally honest with you. But here is something. The reason why I can walk in here wasn't because of me. Wasn't because of me. It was because of the grace of God. It is because of the grace. It it, it is what John Newton wrote centuries ago when he said it is grace that has kept me safe thus far. And it will be grace that will lead me on. And we've got to understand that the reason why we stand today is because of the grace of God. Because of His unmerited favor. And if it wasn't for the grace of God, we wouldn't be here. We could all Think over this year, over this past year, over the past several years, over our lifetimes of the places that God, because of God's grace, He held us through it. I, I, I can't help but to think, so can, I can't help but to think, Adam, even stories that I've heard you tell, I'm, if you would tell everything that God has ever done for you and to help you through, we'd be here for a long, long time. But it was grace. It is grace that brings us here. And when I think 
about that. It makes me want to praise Him. It makes me want to thank Him. Because He's with me. He is with me right now. He's with me when I was sitting at my kitchen table an hour ago. Didn't know whether or not if I was even going to be able to walk in here. He's with me as I feel the anointing on me. And He's with you. Because He wants to fellowship with you. Don't take that lightly. That He wants to fellowship with you. I I like this. And I'm over my, I'm 15 minutes over. You have to excuse me. If you really want to know what type of relationship God wants to have with you, I give you some homework. Okay? Go read the Song of Solomon. Because you will see a picture of what real intimacy with God looks like. He has come down to where we're at to fellowship among us and there's grace and there's truth wrapped up in it all. And I just thank you for that. How many are thankful for that? Stand with me all over this house here this evening. This Thanksgiving season, I want you to take time tomorrow and for the rest of this week to thank Him for being with you. The fact that he came down and he tabernacled to stay with you. I'm not here to tell you any sad stories. I'm thankful that he's here with me. And he's going to continue to stay to be here with us. Hardest time, he's with us. And he hasn't left. My goodness, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. Even in the midst of all uncertainty, Pastor, he never left. No, you're right. He never left. He was with us. And I think that we ought to thank him for that. So, can we take just a few seconds and just lift our hands? And begin to give Him praise and glory and honor for that here tonight. Hallelujah, Lord. We praise You here tonight, Lord.